Welcome everyone to Kafara Cast. This morning I've got Frank and Aaron with me and uh, we're going to have a, a discussion about the differences between Australia and America. <laughs> well, we don't have an Adam Green tree. <laughs> <laughs> I fucking nailed it. Oh, shit. That's funny. What are the biggest differences, would you say? Well, we've got to say who's it, who this is here. Oh, this is, well, yeah. <laughs> I, 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 fuck, I panicked, man. You didn't announce yourself. You're, you're premature. <laughs> I'm a, I'm a it's perky breast. Give it every time. <laughs> oh, shit. Yeah, well, tell us about yourself. This is our buddy Herbie, uh, who builds all our super cool knives that everyone likes. But uh, let's uh, get give us give us your digits, man. Tell us about yourself. Yeah, right on. Well, um, I'm retired from the military and police force, and I've got the opportunity to travel the world and, um, you know, expand out a little bit in my my friendship range. And um, I've been doing that for the last couple of years now. And um, back in Australia, I'm a knife maker. Um, and I've got a business uh, that I run from home, and it's more therapy than anything else, I guess. You know, um, I was diagnosed with PTSD a number of years ago, and um, I find that making my knives is a really good part of that therapy. And it's gone from therapy to a small business and a small business to a brand now, and I'm pretty happy with where it's at, and it takes me all over the place. Yeah, so for everybody... um that uh, is kind of tuning in. We, was that a year ago, I guess? Yeah. Probably a year ago. Um, uh, well, Herbie and I have become obviously better and better friends over time, but initially you and I need, knew each other well enough, but you had that helium blade, which I was all about as far as backpack hunting, the weight of it. You, it was S30VN. I like that that steel or that, that on a knife. And one thing led to another, and I think you shipped us 150. Yeah, and they yep. they fucking basically sold, sold overnight. overnight. <laughs> yeah, we sold them all quick. So that knife, uh, tell it because so we we have three different colors now. The first we had a, a basically a black and a brown, um, or or tan, and then now we have um, some orange and silver. We have three different options, but they're like 1.1 ounces, and I'm not a giant knife type of a guy. Like I'm not um, trying to. Oh, I don't know. I'm not ready for the zombies to come yet. So I, I just keep that with me on a backpack hunt for camp chores, stuff like that. But where did that uh, kind of originate from and how well does that knife do for you over, over there as well? Yeah, well, originally um, it came from the need of myself and um, a good buddy of mine, Marty Phillips and um, Matt Webb. We were going on a, a hunt you know, year you know, year and a half, two years ago, which is gonna take us into the back country in the, the the high country in Australia. And my job as a knife maker and designer was to make a knife that was lightweight that we could actually um use to do all our camp chores with, that could um skin a deer, clean a trout, all that sort of stuff. Um and I'd been speaking to um a friend of mine years ago um, and we were mucking around with a name called the helium to make a really lightweight knife, and helium is the lightest element. So that's where the name came from. So I designed the knife, um, and it was through the made, and each one of us wore it for seven days up in the high country, and uh, you know I skinned out a, a Samba stag with it, and I was pleasantly surprised. I didn't think it was going to do that job, and it did it quite easily, and um, cut the deer up for all of our camp food and that sort of stuff and it got a pretty hard you know introduction to the world as a new knife back then um and then when we got back basically gave it out to a couple of other other guys that we knew were going to be hard use guys and 
they used it and had the same sort of feedback and it's just grown from there. With that knife, you had you've had some guys try to imitate that with <laughs> shittier steel, haven't you? Because I, I, I think you or maybe uh, Kidner sent me like a a picture that was like a what the fuck, and I'm like looking at it, and and then I was looked what the component, you know, what it's made mm-hmm. from, and everything else. But how much have you had to deal with people trying to copy what you're doing? A little. <laughs> it's become entertaining <laughs> sometimes, and um, you know, I've had a few personal discussions with some of those people and um, put it this way that they're they're going to find their own design. So, yeah. um, you know, they say that flattery is, you know, whatever they say about that, you know. But <laughs> Imita- imitation is the best uh, form of flattery, yeah. Yeah, and I think, yeah, to a point, but when someone's actually putting, um, you know, bread and butter on the table and it's a product that you've made and some arseworm decides that they're going to copy what you do, um, just so they can sell it for ten bucks cheaper with way less, better components, and um, you know, that's when it, uh, you know, you think, huh? Well, the general public might get a little confused between the real thing and what mine is, and we run into that. Yeah, we, we run into that quite often, and I think it's you probably have a better opportunity in Australia to to talk to the people and tell them they shouldn't make it than we do because that we just tell them, hey, you're copying us, and they're like, oh shit, well. We're still going to sell it. And I, I think that what people don't understand is um, uh, when you look at a um, a knife and a pack, well, uh, a steel, all steels are not created equal, all materials not created equal. So on a knife, you compare, I've had people try to sell me down the road of 440C is a great metal. And it's, it's if you had tiered up from 1 to 10, um, 440C is right there in the bottom one to two for, for me. Um, it chinks really easy. It's it's just kind of shit. Um, and you, you know more about that stuff than I do. And packs are no different when you have Asian-made, you know, buckles, Asian-made webbing, material. Um, you know, it's more of a high uh, – the re- there's a reason it's cheaper. It's mass-produced at literally a, a global level to get it out the door, kind of a Walmart type of a thing. Totally. Um, where like S30VN, which honestly I hadn't even heard of VN, S30V was what I was accustomed to. You use VN, which is an even step higher. Um, it costs, I mean, that shit's expensive. It's it's a very expensive material. Um, and then that knife that those other people were making was literally pretty much like a Walmart level, super low end. And so it may look the same, but it doesn't perform the same. And you find that out over time and, you, and it takes field use to find that out. Um, but if some guy wants to look like he has a knife like yours, it will do that from a 10 foot back looking at it. But when you actually start cutting an animal apart, it's not going to be the same thing. Totally. And I think that, um, you know, when you're looking at components and why things cost so much, I get my steel from Nigra Specialty Steels in the States. I get all my components from the States and I, I still actually hold, the. Uh, made in USA uh, are pretty high as, you know, I know things are going to be um, good to go. So there's quite an expense in importing steel and components to Australia because Australia hasn't got the same industrial background that America's got and um, being able to find a place in Australia that makes steel is next to impossible because they don't. And if you're going to import um, a sheet of steel, so from any other knife steel making mill you know you're looking at five thousand us just to purchase the piece of steel then you have the shipping cost and you have all the it just adds up 
So I've been lucky enough to work with the Niagara Specialty Steel guys um, and they, they water jet now because of the volume that I'm making. Um, they water jet my stuff there out of the uh, out of the steel and I only pay for air shipping on the component itself, not on wastage, which is pretty good because you get jacked in the backside even if you don't ask for it from our tax department in Australia when you import something and you've then got to pay import tax on it. Then when I export it, then there's an export um, release fee and all that sort of stuff. So stuff, yeah, it adds up pretty quickly. Yeah, I bet. Um, we don't we don't get screwed over quite as much as you guys when it comes to that. Like if I order, uh, I don't get too, when I order Swazi stuff, um, it's not too bad. I've had it held in customs a few times, but um, kind of the same deal when I get stuff from them. It does last for, I don't know if you've used much of their oh, I love it. Stuff. Yeah, yeah Davies are wild, man. Yeah, say Davies funnier and shit. <laughs> but uh, I... Uh, I know it's going to like that one fleece I have of theirs. I think I've had seven years, and I finally I think I gave it to uh, Jake probably, and he'll wear it for another seven. You know, it lasts a long time, mm-hmm. so it's worth it in the long run. But what uh, when we were joking around at first, what would you say? I, I don't, you know, Americans uh, um, that haven't hunted abroad, Australia is the wild west in a lot of ways. Uh, explain to people how Australia works. Like uh, that one kid. Uh, God, what's his Spinks? Is it Spinks? Jack Spinks. He he did this huge post, and I, I I like the guy. I'm fine with him, but he did a post about it's not that hard. It's a struggle stick. It's it don't make it. It's, it's super easy, but that's easy to say when you don't have to buy a tag and you have one chance. Um, most guys in the United States, you buy an elk tag, you get one week off, um, and you're competing against everyone in an over the counter unit with a wilderness the size of a sliver. Um, against jack wagons from every state, from New York all the way. Well, we make fun of Texas all the time. That's kind of our thing. We see some. It's like fucking Texas, but um, <laughs> Texas, Iowa, Missouri, Nebraska, coming out west, where over the where you guys are at. If you have a good piece of property, there's no bag limit, no season. Totally. So to explain that a little bit, uh, it's the biggest question I get asked um, when you hunt in. Well, I'll talk about my home state in Victoria. Uh, you need to have a game license, which is, you know, comparably for a hundred bucks or less, you're going to get a game license, which allows you to hunt pretty much all the species um, of deer that we find there without any tag system and no bag limit. Then if you wanted to hunt waterfowl, then you need to actually do a waterfowl identification test, which is called a WIT test, um, which means that you're not going to be blowing swans and protected species out of the sky, <laughs> you know, and going, oops, sorry, <laughs> you know, shot the last freckled you know, whatever, you know. I see you care about ducks as much as we do. Uh, yeah. Yes. <laughs> yeah, and where they live. And, a yeah, freckled uh, dillywhack. Yeah, <laughs> you know, it's, it's got a big bill and, you know, whatever. So, um, you know, it, it's pretty easy for you in Victoria to be able to go walk anywhere that you can find that's legal and you'll find all those legalities on uh, the Game Management Authority webpage, which you can surf anywhere. You know, it's a huge amount of um, public hunting area, which is really unpopulated. You can go pretty much, you know, within an hour to an hour and a half of Melbourne, which is our main um, city centre, um, and you can be out in the bush or the woods, as you guys call it. You know, I think that's where Barney Bear lives. But, you know, <laughs> uh, back in the in Australia, you can go any, pretty much anywhere in, in the bush. And the salmon deer population is certainly prolific enough that if you can 
put your left foot in front of your right foot, you'll either get barked at or you'll find a deer. It's not that hard. But um, that's a lot different to over here, you know, and you can shoot, you know, you can take meat animal, you can take a trophy animal, and if you don't want to take anything more than the back straps or the, the legs, currently, by law, you can leave whatever you'd like in the bush. Um, I actually prefer to utilise everything that I shoot and I, I pick the animal that I'm going to shoot. So particularly when I'm hunting with my trad gear, I find the chase just as big of the thrill as the, the kill and samba are damn smart things and they'll smell you from a mile away and, you know, off they go. So when you do shoot one, it's worth taking it completely out of the field. Gotcha. Now, how much does that change as you go farther north? Um, so every state has their own hunting regulations and laws. But, um, you know, the other question I get asked in relation to hunting to step back a little, um, you know, I've been to a couple of big shows over here in, in the States and people have a peculiar idea that we're not allowed to own guns in Australia, which is far from the truth. Um, there's different people that, you know, hold three 300. There's a collector that's got 1,300 um, firearms. All you need to be able to do is, um, you know, have a current licence be able to put as in a firearms license, which is just a small small test. Which pretty much, if you've got one eye and the other one's blind, and you can write with the left hand, well, you'll pass it. <laughs> um, you know, it's just logical questions they ask. You get your firearms license, and then you can scoot off uh, to the gun shop and put in a um, acquired purchase. So, you, for, particularly for your first firearm, they might sit on that for two weeks to four weeks just to it's a cooling off period um, and after that then you've been approved and you've had a couple of gun purchases it seems to come across a lot easier so you know um, as far as hunting and being able to get a firearm in Australia that's pretty easy and um, you don't need to have a license of any type to have any of the bows um, crossbows is something that is different state to state so sometimes you need the permission of the um, the chief of police so to speak um, to be able to own a crossbow because there's a, a unreal sort of belief that holds, you know, that only ninja warriors and um, <laughs> weirdos have crossbows, you know. So that same thing as uh, suppressors, that there's you can't have a suppressor in Victoria because apparently you'll turn into a, a mafia mass killer all of a sudden because you have a suppressor and run around and, <laughs> you know, shoot things. I don't know. So... Yeah, and the hunting opportunities are absolutely awesome for people coming from the States, you know, particularly if you have a contact in Australia, you'll pretty much get hosted for free. Um, you know, I know that any of my mates in my group um, would quite happily have someone come to Australia and you can get a visitor's permit, so to speak, so you don't actually need to apply for a, a in Victoria, you don't need to apply for a, a hunter's licence, you can get an out, out of um, country um, permit, which allows me to take, you know, any one of you guys out for a hunt. And we can go hunt and you don't need to apply for tags and you can shoot, you know, pretty much anything except for platypuses and um, koalas, <laughs> you know. <laughs> yeah, so. Well, with the Asian water buffalo, is that more in the Northern Territory Northern area? Northern Territory, yep. Um, and, and there's no bag limit on those nor anything else? Is How's that work? I don't believe so um, because they're an introduced species, so... The, the other thing to step back, and it's might maybe a bit of a cultural thing for people from the States to think about, that all of your game are actually native. Mm -hmm. All of our stuff's been introduced. So um, the thing that protects um, deer in Australia is that they're protected under the Wildlife Act. Um, so you can't spotlight them. That's what makes them game. You can't actually just drive around at night time with a spotlight and shoot them off the road. So there's some protections on the... Um, 
you know, the family groups and herds and that sort of stuff to make it transferable so that um, illegal activity doesn't happen because no one likes poachers. Um, you know, yeah. so it is it is frowned upon to hunt at a national park <laughs> in Australia. Then, well, you know, <laughs> I think everyone, you know, like most people own a Garmin or something similar, you know, and they're able to quite easily place where they're at, you know, and you've got our mapping, um, GMA mapping, which you can look at quite easily. I mean. Mm-hmm. If your eyes work, you can see that that is a particular color that says can't go there, and the other color is can go there. And you know, you can't really confuse those two if you got half a brain. <laughs> the uh, there obviously there's been a ton of controversy, uh, controversy over you know that, and kind of the, the gist I've gotten from Australians uh, was a lot of people will hunt national parks. It's, uh, you know, maybe blown out of proportion or hard for people to understand in the States that people do that, but it is illegal. Um, it's just a matter of, uh, you know, owning up to what you've done or, 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 or just saying, Hey, everyone does it. And you know what I don't, it, it's kind of weird for people in America to understand. Cause it's probably not the same as us going to hunt Yellowstone, um, but it's also still illegal um, over there. So in, in uh, different states, there's different um, game regulations. So in Victoria, they actually have the Alpine National Park open to hunting for deer, um, but only between particular months because then they have um, user groups that may use it over summer more so than not. And, um, you know, it's open and you've got, you can only have a deer calibre um, rifle in there uh, you can't have a 22 in there or something similar if you're going to be shooting birds or bunnies you can only go in there to shoot deer and that's been a lot of really hard good work done by the Australian Deer Association which is the only political voice that um, deer hunters have in Australia uh, and they have a really good executive officer that um, that Barry Howlett who um, pushes hard to make sure that our hunting space is not encroached on by people of other um ideas that want to reduce the hunting areas, I guess. So in a national park, you've got to check your regulations, you know, and everyone's got skeletons in their closet to some degree, you know. Um, you know, we all started hunting when we were young and, you know, you might never have ever known that there was something as a game law when you were young, you know, or you did something stupid or, you know, that, and, that, you know, everyone trespasses at times across that line or pushes it as far as they can. I know when I'm hunting deer, particularly with a trad bow, that um, deer move around mostly, um, you know, in that last sort of half hour of light. And if you look at what the legal um, uh, ruling is on what half light is before dark, you sometimes you're sitting there in the, in, in uh, your ambush ambush position, and you're pushing it to the last minute, you know. And any hunter that does that, you know, or, or hunts deer or hunts quite regularly, will probably do that quite regularly. But then there's a difference between that and someone that just blatantly blows it out their back end and doesn't care and doesn't have any sort of thought past their own shadow to how it's going to affect the greater hunting community when a park's officer finds them illegally hunting with a bow and all of a sudden it turns into the worst scenario that it can for um, guys that are really trying hard to legally and ethically hunt um, in those areas, yeah. Frank and I didn't really get too involved with with much of that in the, in the sense of um, we had so many friends in Australia letting us know, well, I guess what I would consider probably is the truth. And then you have um, 
a lot of people in the states guessing, right, what's going on. And then you have kind of in the middle of, uh, uh, you know, guys hopping on and say people hunting state parks all or parks or whatever all the time. And so I think it was probably confusing for a lot of people. We just knew five years ago um, what was coming down the – was it five years ago? Four? It's been a while. Yeah, several years, what's coming down the pipe. So we had a pretty good idea. But, you know, you never know exactly until – it happens, and far be it from me to say, I did some crazy shit when I was younger, and accidents happen, right? I mean, they, sure enough, Frank and I eventually will probably break some type of a law, whether we mean to or not. Anybody says that they don't are probably lying. Totally. I mean, shit happens. Yeah. Uh, I'm trying to think, what's the most recent probably law we've come to breaking that we didn't know at the Cross-dressing in Nothing public? for you. you know, <laughs> uh, there was in Nebraska... Um, this wasn't I this before I met you, you'd only shoot one whitetail or a mule deer doe, but you could shoot unlimited whitetail does. I was not aware of that at the time and just got lucky and only shoot when I checked them in, I had one mule deer doe. <laughs> it very well could have been more than that. And then uh there's sometimes um the legalities in the states are kind of weird of where you can drive through. If there's a chunk of private property with a road going through it, you are legal to drive through it. Um, but they usually gate those things or make they put no trespassing signs. And yep. then there's the Onyx map boundaries and the fence lines of what's legal and what's there's a lot of different variables that you it gets confusing and, and you do not have to put your offense up here in Colorado and, right. and you can still trespass, which huh. um that can get I don't we never had to worry about that in the wilderness, but um, it can get a bit squirrely when it's um, unmarked and unmapped, but it's someone's property, and, and particularly in some places in Australia, they're so vast that um, you may be on, you know, a thousand acre paddock, and there's no fence line saying that that tree, the black stump out the back, is that property yeah. boundary, you know, <laughs> yeah. and, and you've missed the black stump, and you find yourself two hundred yards in the neighbour's place, you know, so. Yeah. It's uh, it, it, those things can happen, you know. Yeah, it shit, shit, shit happens all the time. I think, on our end, from what we had been hearing, was a much greater, more in depth, um, uh, breaking of the law, um, with not like an accident, like purposefully, yeah, you know, of it coming down the pipe that that was that was happening. And so for us, we were like, oh yeah, you know, I guess it was going on. And so, yeah, it shit happens. I just, I mean, honestly, it's not my pig, not my farm. I think I it could have definitely been handled a lot better. Especially yeah. uh, with his relationships um, of of companies that were working with him, because we we were one of them at one point, and I didn't get any communication whatsoever. Yeah, we had to call him. I called him and just said, "Dude, what what's going on?" or whatever. And I mean, we have a lot of grace for that type of stuff. Meaning, shit does happen, you know. And I'm not gonna fault anyone. I mean, we were working with another guy where. I called him and he's like, oh, yeah, this is what happened. I'm like, oh, fuck, dude, that could happen to anyone. <laughs> like that's, you know, so the, the way I've always uh, or brought up as far as breaking the law, you wake up in the morning, you got full intent of breaking the law. Right? Yeah. That guy's yeah. guilty. The second one is in the moment of truth when you know you had every intention of not breaking the law that day, but maybe the amount of inches or whatever pushes you past that line. And then there's the guy that just had no intention of breaking the law and just happened and it was an accident. You know, the 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 first one, you can't really get around that. You know, he totally intended to break in the law. The second one, depending upon, you know, is he five minutes after daylight? 
that's not as big of a deal as being in the wrong unit or, yeah. you know, that kind of shit. So there's never anything totally, in my opinion, cut and dry. There's always, you know, different versions or different sides to it. And I think the, the few things, I guess, to keep um, in the forefront of your mind is that there is always, you know, a second part to a story. And sometimes, um, you know, people kill for the gram, which really annoys me, I guess, that they're com- completely about getting an animal on the ground. They have to get that animal on the ground because that's what they believe they're known for or famous for. And it's not about, you know, there's amount of times I've seen photos of people that I know actually haven't shot it even with a bow. And then the bow's presented in front of the animal, <laughs> you know. And it, I fucking tell you what, I thought about doing that a couple times. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. that's we, great. But, but you know, someone could have permission. Like, let's let's say that you come to my place, and I've got secondary permission off the guy that's beside me that you can go and hunt their back um, paddock. And then someone sees you there, then says, "Oh, Aaron's, you know, poaching on Bill's place." And then that gets out, and all of a sudden, Instagram blows it up to this massive thing. Well. The way that I would like that to be handled is um, just a very short, and using, um, I mean, the elephant in the room talking about Adam, just a very short public announcement to say, hey, guys, this is what's going on. I can't talk about it too much for legal reasons. I'm sorry if people are hearing the right or wrong things, but things will happen in a legal sense at court, and I'll let you all know what's going on. But I think when you just hold a kind of silence around you, it, it adds to that fuel of, well, you are guilty because you're not saying anything. Um, and then when you do make a, a, a you know, a dirty nappy, we'll own it, you <laughs> yeah, know, and yeah. say, I've shit in my pants and I'm sorry about that, guys. And, you know, <laughs> yeah. um, particularly the fanboys really get behind, um, you know, well, I'll, I'll reel that back a little bit. I'll throttle off from that. But if, if you have a fairly good social media following, um, I think that you are no longer average Joe and that you have a responsibility to make sure what you do is the best that you can do at the time and that you're, you're not only just representing the companies that may support you, but you're representing yourself. And there's a lot of junior guys that might be 11 or 12 years old that are just starting hunting that follow you and love what you do. And if you're putting out the wrong message, those guys start out with the wrong message of, well, who gives a shit? It's just over in the national park because Mr. X can go do it. I'm going to go do it, you know. And that, I think that that in itself is setting the wrong community standards in our you know, international hunting field. What do you what do you guys think about um, hunters holding other hunters accountable for doing things just for social media? Because there's a lot of people that it seems do a lot of stuff just for social media, and then other people will call them out, and then the people that get called out will say, "We all need to be united as one and not yeah. call out each other." But clearly, this is being done. Some things are being done just for social media. So, do you think that's good, or you think people should be united, or you think if you don't like it, you should just unfollow it? I think a number of different things that um, as humans, we have fingers and we can quite easily push that not follow or go past it. You know, you don't need to um, get infuriated or, in, in, you know, enraged about stuff that someone's doing that it's not your fire, not your camp or not your pig, not your farm sort yeah. of thing. People have no business poking their nose into something or trying to stir up crap about someone or a past event, you know. So there's that level. As you get further and further involved in any, in the hunting industry itself is is at times quite a robust 
industry, both um, on the retail side of things and as well as in the social media things. And like I was saying, if you want to put yourself out there and have, look at me, look at me, look at me, you're going to have to be a little more robust or bulletproof as to when people throw shit at you that you either take, take it on the chin or not. Then you've got the other side of the coin that if I know someone is um, shooting shit for the gram and they're totally in the wrong area, they might might t- take um, their mates or their dogs or whatever else into an area that they shouldn't be in and they're only doing it for the gram, that starts to piss me off because, you know, I work hard for what I do mm. and I might make a comment but I'll make it privately Um and I might make it well known as well to my friends that this person's been a right, right dick. You know, that's my position. Um, I don't think that it's right to support people by liking their posts when you know that um, they've done it illegally or you don't particularly care. You just want to be seen as, you know, you want that person that is created that account to see that you've liked their post. You know, I think that that's bullshit as well. You know, so many people just like, oh, look at me. I've, I've liked your post <laughs> and, and, you know, it's fantastic, I, I, you know. So. Well, I think that, uh, well, and I'll just die. I mean, I didn't matter. You're talking about Cameron packing that bear out, right? So <laughs> yeah. Cameron packed a, I, he said it was 350 pounds. I'll there's just, no, it there's no fucking way, way that bear right, was. We right. were sitting in front of a bear that was far bigger than that one. And this was not the 350 pound bear, but. It, this is my personal views that if he wants to uh, pack a bear out hole over his shoulders, by by all means, rub some funk on it. I'm not going to stop you. Um, to make sense of it, though, from a perspective of, I say, common sense, if I've got four guys behind me, I'm fucking asking them to help me pack it out, right? I, I want to walk longer, right? Now, yeah, so if social media didn't exist, would that have happened? Is That's the only question I ask. Fuck no, it wouldn't Okay, so, no. yeah. <laughs> right. So, and and here's where <laughs> I'm trying to stay in the middle because I don't have any issues with Cam. Um, if Frank and I, which were pretty remote on a lot of our hunts, if Frank is saying, hey, throw this entire deer on my back and get a photo, and then as soon as it hits the ground <laughs> and the camera goes down, he says, take this shit off my back and let's cut it in half, that's for the gram, right? Totally, that's, yep. Now, in the in looking back in time, I've packed a few full does out in Alabama, not for the gram. It's an eighty pound doe. Eighty pounds isn't shit to me, and I don't want to drag it. So I just throw it on my shoulder and pack it to what hundred yards to the road. Right. Here's where I have an issue, and this is coming from a guy much like yourself, and you will be there that has abused my body from doing dumb shit. Cam is a very, very famous person and very easy. People are very impressionable. Very few humans can pack, and, and, I'm, and I'm lumping myself into this. I can carry more than most humans that I know. They're going to fucking hurt themselves. Yeah, totally. Okay? Yep. And so there's where I, there's where, I mean, you can say what you want about be a man or whatever. There's also a common sense level. So I'm the first guy to say, quit being a pussy, man the fuck up. But I'm also the first guy to say, hey, I'm 42, working on 43, and my knees are starting to fucking hurt. If I would have listened to older guys, I might have lengthened a hunting career by five to seven years. So I hate to see a guy say my idol, which Cam's got got a lot of guys, he's their idol, that he posted he packed that 350-pound bear 
and then fucking snap a knee, right? <laughs> yeah. That's yep. that's where my now, buddy, uh, my buddy Wes, one of Jordan's friends in Idaho, they just killed a bear, and um, he's like, "Yeah, dude, I threw it on my back and ate shit in the first two steps. It was a horrible <laughs> idea." I'm like, "Yeah." So, <laughs> I mean, I I get it, right? I've got a photo of a of a moose that I've had guys like, "Why the hell did you pack the whole thing out?" And I'm like. It wasn't very far, and we had a helicopter, and I didn't want to. I don't know if you've ever uh, gone out a, a moose. You know, if you it, you flesh out a moose face, you won't want to do it again. <laughs> so, and mosquitoes, and I'm like, well, we had a helicopter coming in. I just had to get it to where the helicopter could land, so it wasn't like this big, yeah, thing, right? And I don't even know if I was on Instagram at that. I think time maybe it would have been better if there was some context added to it, yeah. like maybe like, hey, I threw this bear on my back and went. 30 yards. Well, and, and so here's because Frank and I have been asked, I don't know exactly how many times, hundreds of questions about Cam packing this bear out. And I was like, look, if someone dared me to do it, I would have put, guy bet me I couldn't do it. <laughs> well, fucking, I was going to show him mm-hmm. context, right? Yeah, the context. Uh, that's all and, it needs. And the thing that I think were this, because of the haters and everything else, was the I wanted to save the hide. Okay, well, it's easier to save the hide with four other guys. So that's kind of eh, out the window. And then you had four other guys get it on you, but then had cameras following you. And so, I, you know, it shows people I'm going to man up and be like Cam, and then they injure themselves. I'm all about testing your manhood and doing dumb shit to show you're a man. The problem is, is not all men are created equal. And Maybe the bear was 350 pounds. I think that was slightly exaggerated knowing the amount I've carried, and that's where Bam got pissed. Is Bam's one of the biggest fucking guys I know. He's inhuman, right? And he was like, what was his pack, 160 pounds? Uh, yeah, it was something. Yeah, it was And it about was heavy. killed him, right? So knowing, and you know what I've carried before, 350 pounds is a human to carry that's 100 and. I don't know what Cam weighs, 180, right? Uh, so let's just well, say- Well, dude, just don't. think about throwing a, a bar on your back with, with three plates on it and walking. Well, dude, no, I just, dude, <laughs> remember your bear? Yeah. So we had two fat guys and a skitty kid being Frank, couldn't get it in the fucking truck. And your bear was legit 350. <laughs> it was heavy, yeah. And we couldn't get it in the fucking <laughs> Dude, it looked like Blander was making sweet love to it, trying to push it into the back of the fucking truck. So if the bear was 350 pounds, Cam's more of a man than me. I'll walk away. That's fine. I don't want anybody to try that and snap a knee for the greater good of Instagram. That's all I'm getting at is you got people got to be smart. And I'm not saying be a pussy, but I am saying there's going to be decisions you have to make in life. And if it's going to end your hunting career, injure yourself and you have four guys around you, maybe they could help you carry it. You know what else I was thinking um, the other day, not just to rile things up here, but um I was just thinking about not posting about how heavy my pack was anymore or how far you went. Because does anybody honestly really even care? It's like it's almost becoming like a dick measuring contest. You know, no, like I, I hiked fucking 30,000 vertical miles on this last time. Like, you mean 60 vertical <laughs> miles? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I don't think anybody cares. <laughs> well, I think – so the thing with us though is we sell backpacks, you know, and this is for – we do backpack hunting and they have to be able to, to carry heavy heavy loads or whatever. And I mean that's – that you, I can understand us posting stuff like that. But in the end, like it doesn't – I don't think it matters or to me, it doesn't matter if I see someone's story yeah. and say, dude, I fucking killed this, this deer a mile in, or I killed this deer 10 miles in. That's not what it's about. At least to me. It, no, I was going to agree with you. Right? I, I think the only time to tell that story, and I'd be interested to get your take on it is to help 
people understand the maybe the suck fest you went through. Um, but as far as like, because so many people fucking lie that legitimately, how far do you think, how many humans do you think can carry over a hundred pounds for more than two miles? It's not a, not a thing, you know. I think I think uh, going to New Zealand just gone like a hundred over there with um, two other buddies. And we had 60 pound packs on. Mm-hmm. And as soon as I put mine on, I was like, huh. <laughs> 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 you know, Fuck, yeah. I've got to walk out of the car park now. You know? <laughs> so, um, and I've been carrying a pack for a long time in different jobs that I've had. And um, it's never comfortable, never gets easier. And then when you've got to start going up scree and a whole other bunch of bits and pieces, I think um, it, the, the falsity of if it's happened on Instagram, it's true. You know, I see a lot of photos of um, lesser framed persons than myself, and I am probably the closest to Adonis that you've ever seen. You know, <laughs> <laughs> just a little. <laughs> yes. Oh, <shit>. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, and and there's a photo of them on the peak of a mountain, and they've got a hole, whether it's a, a fallow deer on them, and and you know, I'm, I think I'm 248, and Kidna stopped laughing because that's a true weight, you know. <laughs> but um, I'm around that, and there's people that are like of both sexes that have got it on on top of their shoulders, the rack, the whole lot. And I look at them and think, my lord, I can't, I couldn't pick that thing up and put it on my shoulders, yeah. and and without, you know, the picture of them, that the, the quick water bottle squirt on the face, and yeah. <laughs> you know, all that sort of stuff. And the, the other photos that you see all the time that really sort of um, grind my gears, I guess, is when you know that they've, they've, got it, they've shot the animal maybe 40 or 50 yards from where their car is, the car isn't in the photo, but then they've got a photo of themselves either laying down saying this is the worst carry out ever, like it's, it, you know, it's so heavy and so big, but they've pretty much just picked it up and sat down beside their truck for it, you know. <laughs> and, and here's where it gets, I don't say sticky, but... You know, there's the unfollow button, okay? And 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 I I will be the first to admit there are times where I'm yelling at the computer. I will say in good conscience that when I'm doing that, it's because it's going to potentially affect many other people's, whether it be their unrealistic um, expectations of what a human can do. Um, if you, I would say solo on an elk hunt, two and a half miles is about the the max that you should probably hunt alone um, yep. to get an elk out because yep. you're going to lose meat, yep. right? which is what we don't want. Now, that's to say I've packed two or three elk out, uh, half of the elk deboned uh, with gear, and it about killed me. I will say, though, it was all downhill. Now, I can carry you out downhill for a long fucking ways because it's downhill with on a trail. Just roll right? me. Yeah. <laughs> well, <laughs> you start talking, you adding in, like, different terrain. You take me with... Like on Colton's pack out, like that, you saw that. That was all down here. Dude, we came out of that place with uh, backpacking gear, and it sucked. So I couldn't imagine how how you guys downhill. Yeah, it yeah, was, that I mean, was it the was only bad. thing. That if it, we had to go uphill, no, I couldn't done it. I couldn't have done it. <laughs> and so keeping real people being realistic, you don't want them to injure themselves. You don't want them to lose game. Right, the idea is to get the whole animal out. Um, are the big ones where I'm like, hey, man, just do the math. This guy said he shot that animal this distance in, and it took him this many trips. Okay, use your fucking fingers and toes. He's saying he walked 76 fucking miles. I'm like, he's the fastest speed walker I've ever seen. That's humanly impossible. So let's be realistic. He probably wasn't seven miles in. He was probably two miles in. So 
people need to weigh that out. And is it affecting me? No. Should I get mad at it? Probably not. But we are human. And Mm -hmm. so there are times where I feel obligated to be like, hey, man, not trying to be a hater here, but were you really that far in? Or we weigh our packs, right? And and, and Frank and I get to to, to live this, basically. I would say with my mule deer, we probably both had, what, 90 maybe? Somewhere around there. Yeah. Yeah, Realistically. I was no, I wasn't exactly a happy camper, but it was pretty much downhill. Um, and it wasn't horrible, right? It was pretty easy in the sense it was all downhill. Now, I don't think that it's that big of a deal that people know it's 90 pounds, right? It's not that big of a deal. I think the biggest thing is, is they know we got the entire animal out. We got our gear out in one trip. This is how we did it. All the important learning things. This is deboning it. This is how we got rid of some of the heavier weight. Those are important, but I agree talking about how heavy it was and everything else, other than just say it was a shitty hike out about killed us. The other stuff gets to be a, a big dick measuring contest and nothing probably is going to come out of that. I think to add to that, that um, you've got both you fellas sitting here that do it all the time. So your judgment of people's capabilities is probably very accurate where you have other people that might hunt once a year and they see like in Australia when you look at um, samba deer everything oh it's a 30 inch head that's a big that's a big head for a samba deer and in reality it was 22 right <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, wide angle lenses are a hell of a thing yeah you know and uh, the same people making comments on how heavy their packs are. It's the first time they've ever gone out and, and they've got 20 pounds in their pack and they're so um, untrail fit that it feels like 60 pounds, you know, and yeah. that if they did measure it, once again, like Frank said, it comes back to how big your appendage is, you know, that it's it's um, like they might measure it and go, oh, well, it is 20 pounds, but hell, I'm going to say that this thing's damn heavy, you know, yeah. <laughs> and they've got three sleeping bags in there to blow the bag up to make it look good and big, you know. And, yeah, yeah. You know, so, I mean, I know other guys that have had gear helicoptered in because it's too heavy to carry. Yeah. And then they, they take these grand photos of this you know with, with them up on the hill like a little bit too far away to actually see too much but to yeah. just get that hint of you know the wild yes yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know and you're like shit man i knew you had that shit helicopter <laughs> into you you know well well and it, that's where the 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 sticky line of are you a hater or not gets kind of drawn i mean we we talked about a little bit this with duplan the other day but i think um the uh, the moment you know if you're if, if you're specifically following a guy to hate on him, you're probably a hater, right? If yeah. just, but if shit pops up occasionally, and, and again, my, my, I'd say, stance on the whole 350-pound bear thing, context, Frank, you're right. If there was some context, well, there was all kinds of jokes because that, that second bear I shot was 350 pounds. We were a solid 200 yards from the truck. So... <laughs> realistic i might have made it right so bart being the shit talker like the first thing we're gonna go in here i'm gonna end up getting cameron hate mad at me but bart guides thousands of bear hunters right they're probably on 100 bears this year or something crazy so when i showed him keep in mind bart's not an instagram guy not a social media guy he's been a guiding outfitter since birth First thing he looked at, he's like, why didn't those other four guys help? Right. That's just, that was what he looked at and was like, because he's a, he's a common sense guy. He's like, why is that guy holding the camera? Why didn't he grab a leg? And so then it was, you know, obviously as I shut mine, 
are we going to throw this on your back? And I'm like, no, we're not throwing this on my fucking back. It's hot enough already. Well, you think you can make it? And I'm like, for money, I'll do it. Right? That was what I said. If you guys want to bet, I'll do it for money. Because money, obviously, is the root of all evil. So mm-hmm. then I was like, but I'm, I'll win for, if I can keep it up there, I'll win for money. And then they were like, well, we should film it. And then I'm like, okay. This is going to go downhill because now it's going to look like I did it to show I could and look make Cam look better. But my bear is legit 350. This fucker's heavy. So then I'm thinking. It's a cub, the, guys. I've seen a photo. Yeah. It's a cub. <laughs> what's the chances <laughs> of me snapping a cankle? Oh, my God. I'm the, so I'm like, Dude, that's horrible. fuck that. I, I want to keep hunting. So immediately I'm like, let's just drag it out. Fuck it. So that's what we did. We all four grabbed a leg and drug her out and, and what you should do. Now. I do not mind guys doing stuff to be manly. I mean, that's what we're, we're men, right? That's what we're going to do. Or, or chicks doing manly shit. I mean, that's why Frank does his new, what do you call it? CrossFit. The CrossFit. You got to say the CrossFit. <laughs> the CrossFit. Is, is it angry watermelon your tights or is it another color that, you know, maybe some pile salmon? Letter Kenny, you guys CrossFit? Well, you can cross fuck off. <laughs> well, that's, that's the thing, right, is, is uh, I totally get getting better, whatever. And I don't care that Cameron carried the bear. I don't really don't care what the bear weighed. I just want to make sure people understand that carrying that much weight, very little good is going to come out of it. But I understand totally checking yourself and testing your manhood occasionally. But there's got to be a, you know, kind of a limit of dumbass and hard ass and kind of where those cross, you might get yourself in trouble. That's where I get a little bit like my knickers in a knot, so to speak. Not that I wear knickers, but <laughs> I prefer to wear Big what, boys we're pants. American. What's a knicker? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of like Hessian underpants. You know, that's what real men wear. You know? <laughs> Stop oh, it. Shit. You're an evil man. <laughs> but once again, it comes back to what I was saying about social media and, and your um, responsibility that you have, how I feel anyway, that what you do is real. Same when we're making knives and stuff, you know, like um, not every photo has to be of perfect projects to show people that you can actually fail and there's nothing wrong with failing. It's just a part of a learning curve. And I think it's important to understand that if you're going to go hunting anywhere that's past 30 yards from your truck, you need to do some sort of preparation to hit the trail. And what's wrong with saying that I'm only hunting for meat? Not everything has to be a trophy hunter. What's wrong with saying I'm taking a 20-pound pack today because it's a day hunt, you know? So yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. I think that's what Bart said on his podcast. He said you should do stuff for you. Don't do it for anyone else. Do it yeah. for you. If you want to rifle hunt, rifle hunt. If you want to bow hunt, bow hunt. If you want to carry if you want to backpack hunt backpack hunt it, it doesn't it doesn't matter it doesn't do it for yourself that was one thing with uh hunting with him and clay because i think people have they're they they do shoot large animals they're very much when i say they're out there to have fun and when that bear ran across and i'm like said something about ah it looks like it's six foot and clay's like you got two fucking tags don't you and i'm like yeah he's like you got a quiver full of arrows and i'm like yeah he's like well let's do some fucking shooting and that's that's clay i mean I, they're they're awesome to be around and i there's so much drama online all the time about the trophy hunting non-trophy hunting meat whatever and yeah i mean what frank just said or whatever like Go out there and do you for you and do what you want to do and and try and stay as positive as you can. And we do get down on people. I mean, we human nature, right? We'll look at stuff sometimes. and That's what uh, boggles my mind about the trad folks. That I think it's good what you're doing for the trad community is showing that you don't have to do certain things like the the veins thing yeah. especially. 
Like, who cares, dude? Aaron's shooting veins or shooting feathers. He wants to use what he wants. To, he wants to use what he wants, you know? Yeah. Like, well, I think I just know. getting people into it is my, my thing. That's is huge, like, yeah. Yeah, it's just getting people into traditional archery, and they can limit it more and more as, as time goes on. So if they start with a shelf or a clicker or whatever they start with and want to choose to limit it more and more after that, you know, they are limiting their um, technology, and I think that's a, a good thing. Um, it is hard for me to stay positive all the time and you probably deal with the same shit i try to stay as happy go lucky as i can and then there's a time i want to fucking punch a guy <laughs> right in the throat um and and, and uh, you know am i right hell no i'm probably wrong half the time or more but if you're being educational and you're teaching people and you're you know doing all that type of stuff i think you're you're doing the right thing i think when you leave a the guts in an animal overnight for the gram to get a better photo um, you're as, you're as wrong as two boys. Oh, you should probably edit that out. <laughs> yeah, I probably shouldn't have said that. <laughs> but, uh, you're you as know. wrong as wearing knickers and not, not pants, right? Oh, yeah. my God. Yeah. <laughs> well, we could reword that. <laughs> <laughs> Just move on. <laughs> That's a military term. Oh. But, I, I, you know, it, it, uh, the amount of respect you show the animal needs to be not fake, normal, and, and realistic. You know, if you're- I'm really over seeing people putting their hand on the animal and crying and closing its eyes and thanks thanks so much for your life and stuff like that. Because in reality, when someone shoots an animal and they get on the ground, there's a whole lot of hooting and hollering going on. Yeah. You know, when people go up and the first thing they do is get their tape out and measure, you know, the, the how long it is from nose to toes or whatever else. I haven't really seen too many real real time when it's not for a photo yeah. of, you know, taking a minute silence and, um, you know, hoping that its spirit reaches the, the sky. Yeah. You know, it's, that stuff just really, you know. I got told a long time ago, you know, there's um, back in the day when um, every morning this particular tribe, when they woke up, you know, they had to, to, the boys had to walk out to this stone cold anvil and get their dick out and hit it with a metal hammer. And a new guy came to the tribe and he's watching this and he's going, that really looks shitty, you know. <laughs> so he wakes up in the morning and as he's stepping up to the anvil and he says to the, to the guy that's holding the metal hammer, can we not at least use a plastic one, you know. And he's like, but we've always done it this way. It doesn't mean it's always right. There's always a, a, sometimes a better way to get around it, right. So if you're using veins or you're using um, feathers, if it's getting the job right and it's just thinking outside of the square a little bit, you know, I think, you know, all power to you. And if it's working, well, hell, why not, you know. Like people can playing about um, a whole bunch of different stuff, you know, and I was at this last knife show There's at, at Blade, there's a lot of guys that are coming from um, Taiwan that are awesome designers and making some really good knives and um, a whole lot of um, hometown guys were complaining about, you know, well, it's, it's starting to really irk them that the Taiwanese are making all this really good stuff and the way that I, I look at it is, you know, when you stop complaining on your iPhone that's not actually made here, that it's made somewhere else, but, you know, <laughs> s step up to the plate and take the challenge on and create the next better thing than pass what they're doing instead of sitting in the back bar saying it's bullshit, you know. So I think that, you know, it's it's your own power that you want to put to a project and um, move it on past just, you know, less whinging and bitching and more riding, right? Yeah. I I um I had an interesting conversation with uh, a guy the other day that um uh I don't know, he was one of the couple that complained we started a, a patron account, right? He 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 said something about uh we we are sponsored by Kafaru and I was like, well that's 
kind of a given, right? I mean, we're, you know, however you want to look Don't at it. Don't get paid any extra for it. No, exactly. <laughs> and so, um, I mean, it wasn't a big deal. I talked to him on the phone and then um, I got another message that uh, said I was super arrogant on a specific podcast and I must just be acting like that for likes or for followers and um, that I was uh, going, you know, basic, what's the word where I, I say contra, very contradictive and I, I'm like, I was like, dude, I, I said, I, I think people should just do it how they want to do it. And I was like, uh, there was something I said about um, you neither get on the train or get out of the way. And of course, he took that as doing it my way. And what I meant was with all these new people getting in traditional archery, you're going to have to get on board with a lot of different types of personalities and people and ways of doing it or just get out of the way. I mean, if you don't like a bunch of people getting in traditional archery, not a whole lot you're going to be able to do about it. That's what's going on. And kind of looking at that is is, um, uh, kind of taking a step back like, okay, when we're looking at something on on the internet, um, I'll bring up Fred Baum because he's a buddy of ours. I've got a few messages about Fred's photos and selfies and stuff like that that it's bugging guys and i'm like i don't know fred's a cool cool guy you know i don't have any issue with fred and and these are friends of ours that are don't like oh really yeah it's weird and i'm like well fred's not hurting anyone he's just posting photos of himself you know it's not that big of a deal and fred's a great photographer so you know that kind of fine line of hater does it hurting anyone that's that's where i look at it if it's not hurting anybody like a lot of people hate on josh bomar the 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 fitness yeah, dude yeah. i'm kind of what you feel like that say. dude I'm he's like, fucking cool how can you <laughs> not like heard you like dudes it's like how can you not like the guy he's super cool he's mellow you know he's super informational and you know, it's like that's where I'm like, hey, can't we all just try to promote what should be promoted in archery? And that's, you know, everyone learning and, and getting into archery and kind of trying to stick together. Now, having said that, there's viable reasons of super douchebags that just because they shoot a bow doesn't mean they're in the click. I mean, there's guys shooting holes in the bottom of the boat that I totally agree. You need to get the fucking kicked off the fucking boat. I mean, there's no way around it. But for the most part, what we all should stick together and the guys that shouldn't be on the boat, kick them off. Yeah, I get that. But overall, if you're doing good in the community and not being a total jack wagon, strength in numbers, right? You, yeah, you know, we help we can get. Yeah, everybody love everybody. <laughs> Why is that flag on? How uh, <laughs> the rainbow flag? How many how many traditional archers, bow hunters do you guys have over there? Is it pretty good numbers? Well, it's it's one of those emerging things that um, I guess maybe eight or nine years ago. There was only maybe you could count on your hand the amount of guys that had actually shot a deer with a compound bow. And I think, you know, people say we're a little behind America, even though we're in front by time and a few other bits and pieces. But the growth in the traditional industry is is noticeably, you can see it. There's more guys that are getting involved. It's seen as a, a to some, it's seen as a, another dick measuring competition. Like I shot something with a trad bow. And it's got a hole in it the size that a 30 cow can only put in it, you know, like, um, you know, because they have to be seen to be killing stuff with a bow and it has to be a traditional bow because of, you know, it takes a little longer just to get your bow tuned in and to do that stuff. But to be a traditional, traditional archer, I think you have to have better field skills than someone that's 
um, to be able to get that close. Like I like to shoot, you know, 15 yards from my deer and that's not always achievable, you know. So long story short, traditional archery is really taking off and I, I really um, sit back and giggle sometimes when I see guys coming out staunch as this is the only way you can do this and this is the only way you can shoot and you've either got a flick or you've got to, you know, do some wild crazy stuff and then, then you know, two weeks later it's changed completely so you've had guys that are young guys that are coming into the traditional archery in Australia that are like, oh yeah, okay. So what I've got to do is short draw and just hope for the best, you know. Yeah. <laughs> and then, then the next week there's, you know, and they practice that and they get really shitty at it and then they get really, they're not doing well, but they think they are. And the next two weeks later, there's another video out where they're, they're coming to full draw and anchor and you have to have an anchor and you've got to be able to find this and then you've got your secondary anchor and blah blah blah. I think when it, when we're talking about the importance of where we are in in the industry, that if you can shoot a bow, that your message is consistent, um, you know. And I think that you know whether it's going to be a form message or whether it's going to be how to prep your arrows and that you shouldn't be running, you know, a sixty pound bow with a three hundred grain all over weight on an arrow because that shit just gets squirrely real quick, you know. Um, just the correct information so anyone that's new to it can take it take it on and actually have a good starting point so to answer your question i think you asked one about how much <laughs> it's getting um it's, it's really firing off big time yeah yeah no that's good because i mean you know, need the numbers and i think uh kind of to add what i was talking about the earlier with the guy with the weird dude i mean i tell you what what kind of issues this guy has mentally I have four people get a hold of me from his local range in, in Nebraska to let me know he's talking shit about me the same day he congratulates me on shooting my bear. What kind of mental issues do you, if you don't like me, I mean, Frank, as you know, if I don't like you, you're going to fucking know. Yeah. <laughs> I'm probably not going to congratulate you and then talk shit about you at the same time. So I don't, I don't understand that guy. But if you are, as you said, a consistent message, um, there's not. There's multiple ways to skin a cat, but with traditional archery, I would say, you know, 10 grains um, per pound or so is yeah. a, a good rough number. That's kind of a rule that you might want to stay somewhere around that neighborhood. You want to always keep tension on your, your release, right? You want to keep, you know, you don't want to collapse. Those are pretty simple rules. As far as aiming, I don't think there's an exact rule. You're going to have multiple different types and totally. you're going to pick one. So I think there is like that message that is consistent and, and always will be. And then there's other things where you just kind of throw out what works for you. And, you know, I kind of, I gap shoot to a certain distance and I instinctive after that, that's probably not going to work for everyone. Um, and, and, and then there's other, you know, systems that are, that are going to work better for others. So same with a compound, there's, there's certain, I think, rules. And then there's other stuff you got to write your own book or your own chapter and kind of figure out where, what works best for you. Well, for me, I had um, I was, uh, I guess, in the early days, I was one of the guys that had um, got a traditional bow in Australia, and there wasn't a hell of a lot of information about it. I mean, there was a lot to throttle back a little bit there. There's a lot of people before me that before the Instagram that have actually been the hardcore old guys that you know were making cedar shafts and shooting a whole bunch of stuff with really shitty broadheads and what would, whatever was available. So. That I just wanted to say that pretext is to say that people don't think that I think I'm a hero and I was one of the first guys in Australia because it's far from the truth. But anyway, I took these guys that are AAA 3D masters, you know, and they will only shoot compound and they're probably some of the best archers in Australia up to my ranch, up to my farm. 
and I got my my target block out with my bow to the point where I ran inside, got my target block and put it outside while they were still unpacking so they didn't actually get a chance to see me shoot and hopefully I hit the target <laughs> and I could stand there like Robin Hood going, ha ha, it works. <laughs> but no, that was not to happen. They both came and leant on the railing as I marched back to my, you know, five yards from the target. Yeah. And... Uh, I've drawn on the on the cube and I'm like I'm I'm gonna just nail this. Well, the first arrow hit the top left side of a cube, made a really funny ricochet noise and just pissed off into the never never, <laughs> and it wasn't to be seen again. And I'm like, uh, I don't know, maybe that arrow's a bit bent. And they're like, uh huh, shoot again. So. I hit the opposing side of the shoulder and it took off. I nearly then got my bow and went and beat the target to death with it, you know, to show that I was proficient with it. And I was sweating beans then and I said, you've got another arrow, have a crack. And, and I kind of got it in the grass in front of the, and they're like, and you kill stuff with that? And I'm like, no. <laughs> so, you know, oh, you can be humbled at the most of times, you know, so yeah, anyway. Yeah, I, th- I think though, uh, all what you've learned since you've started is important to tell that that story. I mean, I think it's important for everyone to hear. Obviously, my story's super short. Yours is a lot longer. I just started. But uh, that that meme I put in, that video meme yesterday where the kid dunks the ball and the target or the hoop falls on him and hits him in the head, that's a lot like traditional archery originally. Um, you know, I, I think I missed the first deer I shot at three times in, in one sitting um, in the course of probably 45 seconds. I'm still not sure exactly what happened. You're going to be humbled. And so when I try to, when I tell that is to guys, it's like, hey, I've had a lot of success, but there's been a lot of failures along the way. And you're just going to have to take it on the chin and suck it the fuck up and move yeah. on, or you're never going to get <laughs> yeah. better. But, and I think to be humble enough to take advice from someone that's been there before you and not to think that you're coming to the table with everything. So you'll see me shoot um, this weekend or whatever, maybe. And I hope you've got a hockey helmet and some sort of armor <laughs> to be around me. But, you know, um, if I'm, I'm drawing a particular way and, and you say to me, hey, just try Kent that bow a little bit more or whatever, I think if you, you've got to be humble enough in yourself to take that away and try it. And if it works for you, well, use it. And if it doesn't work for you, well, you know, just say that you're the best and that that, that way sucked, you know. But accuracy with everything and, and form, if, if you're not filming yourself, is something that's really worth taking note of what other people have to say. Yeah, I'm in a good, I'm, I'm lucky, super lucky, because I have Tom Clum, and he's right by, and then Danny and his boys, and then who's ever hanging around the shop. And then I, Randy and Denny Sturgis, I talk with those guys a lot of bit. And Jeff Lander, who can't really shoot the best in the world, but has a lot of field experience. I just, I mean, for me, it's great because I can listen to all of them. And they listen to me on some stuff because I get to tinker a lot. And then there's other things where I'm like, man, I just haven't run into this. And I call and I'm like, hey, am I fucking retarded or is this something that, is is this right? You know, and then (laughs) one of them's going to know. And it's super handy having, you know, all those guys to bounce that off of because, I mean, like, Frank, you've got us and me and Phil and all these guys on the compound to bounce stuff off of. And when you don't have anything to bounce or any guys to bounce stuff off of, that learning curve sucks monkey balls. I mean, totally. it's just, it can, and you may never get the answer because, you, you know, you, you're only as smart as what you have in front of you. And it may not be something that you're grasped to fix in your, your knowledge or trial and error basis. And I would say tuning is one of the biggest epic clusterfucks that people deal with. You know, understanding tuning with no help is difficult. Very. 
you know, having our kidney in my pocket, um, well, that sounds really bad, but... <laughs> he is small <laughs> enough. No. <laughs> Got him. He is a, a fine-looking man. <laughs> uh, he is. And, <laughs> oh, man, I'm just going to back paddle from that because, <laughs> yeah. you know, when he talks about me and my inappropriateness, I think it's actually there's a difference between reality and fantasy, and Al gets that shit mixed up all the time. And, <laughs> and I know that, you know, but in all seriousness, having someone like Al that... Um, he can shoot from pretty much any position and shoots really well. He can shoot the eyes out of a fly, so to speak. Um, when I when I first started, there was arrows going everywhere, and it sucked a big bag of dicks. It was just terrible, you know. And <laughs> and I was getting really, really frustrated with this thing, and because I went from compound shooting to um, shooting my my bow, uh, the traditional bow, and I had a um, a lesser bow as well that was giving me some terrible. Um, arm shock you know my elbow was caning me because i was shooting 100 arrows a day and, and i was like this this just can't be how it's meant to be and then al spoke to me about tuning and and how things were at with, with the arrow and everything was stuffed up from what i was trying to do so having someone in your corner not your pocket let's try that um you know that can um help you out is is a fantastic thing yeah it's a big big help and uh that's one thing that is one good thing if you if you can weed through the bs there is there is a lot of people that can help you out on social media that you don't have to be right in front of you or at least get you pointed in the right direction yeah um and uh and lucky enough now i mean people are kind of getting i say weeded out but you're seeing pretty quickly who's been down the road and and who hasn't and uh you know there's there's things that i can help people out with a ton and there's other things I got to pawn them off on Rocky Mountain or somebody else because I just, yeah, I don't, I don't know. I mean, there's, I've only been doing this for a couple of years. And so while I've had a lot of success hunting, I haven't, it's not like I've been through 50 different bows. I've got to try a lot, but um, I've been shooting a widow for the most part. And there's going to be suiting certain tuning situations that you're only going to, uh, run into over the course of of time and 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 having guys on social media to get a hold of is is handy you know you just going know you can only know so much in such a short period of time for me i think um with the vhs videos that we used to have you know um you know back when i mean um watching southcox um hunt yeah for me was one of the first you know inspirations i guess and south stuff is really it's just how it is. There's no bullshit with South's videos. And he misses and he hits. And he's a guy that, um, you know, has got more experience than I'll ever have in, in hunting with a traditional bow and does it so well. And it was just so good to see that he had good days and bad days, you know? Yep. Oh, and, yeah. And um, how, how he he actually puts those films together for me was fantastic. You know, that's it was a little better than some of the other ones that came out. There was actually a video that came out in Australia years ago called Spina Bifida, yeah. which is probably the worst Bifida to ever <laughs> have. <you know? laughs> yeah, no shit. <laughs> but, um, oh, Lord. It was a dude shooting pigs um, in the spine. And, <laughs> That's and, great. <laughs> <laughs> so all it's the wheels were disengaged. And, yeah, and it kind of stirred a fair amount of crap in the pot, <laughs> you know. Um, from every angle and every everything, so from health professionals that were actually <laughs> you know, <laughs> hunters. So you probably could have um, only ever beat, you know, bested that by having, you know, some, you know, seal pup bludgeoned to death with, you know, a nail in a, in a piece of wood and, you know. <laughs> no shit. It was just not a cool thing. Those, those videos of, of Souths, it's funny because uh, 
the first time I watched the video, I hadn't picked up a stick bow and just kind of watched it. I was like, man, this guy missed a bunch and didn't really, whatever. And then I picked up a stick bow and then I watched it again. I was like, Jesus, I know how he feels. And then I'm looking at it of, you know, cause he kind of just, he misses, he goes, Oh, I missed, but I, but the sunset was awesome. and can't wait to go again. And I'm thinking, I'd be like, you motherfucking cocks. I mean, I would be like, <laughs> he's taking that way better than I would, you know? And then, and he has worked a lot on his, you know, form. I mean, he's gotten to where he's pretty freaking good shot now. And, uh, you know, I was watching for collapses and, and I've talked to South, you know, he said, I used to shoot on the, on the collapse. Well, then I'm thinking there's no way in hell I'd ever, you know, miss that much. Well, then I went up there and got my ass kicked. Well, we, we got one, right. But I, and I'm pretty candid about this stuff. So people, you know, not everything's handed to you where I told, I think I even texted South up on the mountain. I said, dude, I think it's my karma for making fun of you. I'm like, <laughs> fuck, I've missed, well, three legitimate shots. And, uh, you know, he, South's an awesome guy. I mean, super good dude, but he was laughing because he's like, dude, he goes by the, what he was on a set, like seventh deer or sixth deer on that one hunt he was on where he, you know, he finally pulled it off. And I'm thinking I was in the same fucking position, ready to snap my bow in half. And then poor Frank stuck back there with me, I guess on that last shot before I, you know, before we hiked out. Uh, didn't you, you texted me or said, maybe you should throw that thing in the woods because it's made of wood. Put it back with its home. <laughs> it's <old. laughs> Release it. Yeah. But that's a, like, people need to know it's not a gimme. You got to take it on the chin and, and keep at it. Cause it, it is, it's going to test your patience at times. Well, with fishing, you know, there's, um, fishing and catching fish. And if you enjoy both of them, you'll always have a good time. Yeah. You know, <laughs> so, I think that, um, traditional archery is the same. And I think it, it's, it's sort of important as well for people to remember, particularly back home in Australia, that when, when you're hunting samba deer with a, with a stick bow, that it's okay to say, I didn't shoot anything today, you know, that you didn't even lose an arrow. And, Shit happens. I was uh, uh, on a hunt um, last year. I could hear what I thought was an old man snoring in the bush or in the woods. And uh, I thought, well, that's that's just something happening up there. It was just an unreal thing. And as I crossed the creek, I came down a down a, um, a gully, um, or you guys call them a draw, and I, and I cut the creek, or the creek if you come more from the <laughs> south, I think. But yeah. um, I could smell definitely a, a rutting samba stag. Then found um, his footprints and got on his trail and followed it up. And sure enough, it was a Samba Stag asleep in the sun. And he was really low down for where he should be, but he just must have been with his girls all night and out partying and thought, well, hell, I'll just sleep here, you know, and he's snoring away. And I got underneath this big old tree that had um, a lot of leaves and sticks hanging down. And as I came to full draw, the wind blew and blew one of these branches in between my string and my top limb. <laughs> so I had to let down and try and get my damn bow out of this thing. And as the wind had blown it down, well, it had sprung back to its normal position. So I'm hanging onto the bottom limb trying to get this thing out. And this deer's opened one eye and looked and I'm standing there like, you know, a spare <laughs> bottle at a wedding. And, and I'm like, huh? <laughs> anyway, he went back to sleep and I eventually got the damn bow out of there. And as I came to full jewelry, he just must have had that. Six cents that they have, and just took up and um, bolted off. And I think, well, that that was it's, it's a story. It's all part of the hunt, you know. And when you go back to the fire that night and you tell about all your shits and giggles that have happened over over the day, it, it makes for a good time, you know. So, I think enjoying traditional hunting is um, not always about every day going out and railing something. 
you know. Um, it might be finding that I, I was wearing a particular chest rig and I could shoot flat and I'd have been shooting on flat country and I could shoot up hills all right with it. And then I had a, a wild dog which you're allowed to shoot. Um, wild dogs, they're sort of a little bigger than a coyote and I actually prefer to shoot them. I love, love hunting wild dogs than deer even. But it was well and truly below me and as, as I've come to full draw, it was only the first time ever I'd practiced a true downhill shot all this shit hanging off my chest webbing <laughs> got all mangled up and it was it made the worst noises, you know, and I realised right then and there that I needed to change a few things, you know. So, yeah, love and disappointment of it all, you know. Yeah. Oh, shit. That's, yeah, that's funny. All the things you'll definitely learn probably one time. It only takes one one time for that to happen and then you're back to the drawing board figuring out something new. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, man, we're working uh, well. Uh, we're about an hour and a half, so we should probably hop off here. And uh, well, and and Rocky Mountains open now, so we can go over and visit them. But where can people find all, all your work? Where can they check you out and the knives and everything else? Thanks, Aaron. It's, you can find me on social media with Instagram, just Robert underscore Herbert, and you'll find me on Instagram there. And on um, Facebook, you'll find me uh, Old Man Herbie, or our. Uh, R for Robert, the little and squiggle, and N for Naomi um, blades, so R and N blades. Um, and if you need a babblefish to understand my um, <laughs> my Australianisms, um, I'll, I'll put a link up on the podcast page later as well. <laughs> cool, cool. Well, yeah, we appreciate you, uh, well, obviously working with us on the knives and everything else, and uh, obviously your humor um, is a... Uh, <laughs> is, uh, Right in line with ours, I guess. Yeah. We're cut from the same cloth. And and uh, can we talk about, I guess you are making us, uh, we're in the works of making a kind of an exclusive custom limited run Kafaru knife. I don't know how limited of our own it'll be, but uh, a Kafaru knife because we probably will sell it forever. And we're looking at a few, I guess, a few more months before that comes out. Yeah, so I'd like to have it released before your big game season over here or back in your hands if I can. Um, but everything's reliant on, um, you know, shit happens. But, um, yeah, it's going to be an S35VN um, belt knife and there's going to be some special stuff on there that you'll definitely recognise it as a Kafaru knife. Um, yeah, so it's um, going to be the same quality that you expect from anything that comes out of the workshop and we'll work on the sheath with different mounting options. So whether it's going to be uh, something you want to lug on your belt and scout carry or traditional up and down or on a, on a molly web set up so we'll talk further about that but yeah it's it's going to be a pretty neat thing it's taken me a while to get some drawings together and plasticize some different models and i think we've come up with a very usable welcome welcomed design yeah i'm excited about it it'll be it'll be good so cool man well yeah thanks again for coming on let's we'll head over and we'll go pester the guys over at rocky mountain frank you got anything to add i don't yeah thanks though for coming in it was, it was good to meet you in person and fun even though your jokes weren't very funny. <laughs> 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 oh, shit. All right, everybody. Thanks for tuning in. <laughs>